Aloha, and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph brings a message entitled, The Hospital Church. We're still in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Talking about signs of a healthy church, Ephesians chapter 4. And I was in New England uh, a few years ago. I, I, uh, I really like it back there. It's real pretty. And my wife and I stumbled into a graveyard. Actually, we, we, we went into one cemetery on purpose because you go in there and John Hancock is buried there and Samuel Adams is buried there and uh, all of these patriots are in this, this little churchyard. And, and then we were up near the place where Paul Revere lived. His house is there and there's a cemetery uh, about a block down the road. And we got up and, and we started to notice that the headstones, of, and, they're, and they're sold, that they're, they're just almost the, the, the lettering and the carving is faded out. But almost every headstone in that cemetery had a skull and crossbones at the top. And I thought, uh, either these guys are, are Oakland Raider fans, or, um, or Buccaneers, or, or something's going on here. And, and it just turns out that that's the way that they signified the death of the person. I read about it a little bit, that they're laying there waiting for the resurrection. And yet everyone also had an epitaph, a, a, a little slogan or a saying or a few words that, that just described the life that they had lived. And someone told me that they were in one of those cemeteries in New England. They saw this old headstone and it, and it said on it just these words, I told you I was sick. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was thinking about church and, and, and what makes a healthy church and, and uh, what makes a sick church. And, you know, nobody wants to go and tell their friends, gee, you ought to come to my church. It's really sick. Uh, or or nobody, nobody says, you know, I, I really praise the Lord for bringing me to this sick church. It, it really has changed my life. I'm sure that a sick church will change your life but in ways that you don't want it to change your life. Those are the churches that you read about where people come away guilt-ridden and there's a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, people not liking each other, backbiting each other. Uh, you know, whatever it is that turns people off to the Lord uh, usually comes as a result of a sick church. So I thought as we're going through Ephesians here that we ought to just look at some of the signs of a healthy church. And, and I like to always uh, consider a church in light of this. I, you know, the, the, the Bible talks in terms of the church and it, it describes it in, in terms of just different metaphors. One of the metaphors is the body of Christ. It's going to say that in the text tonight. Another is that, we're, that the church is like a, a house or a building built of living stones that God has put together for his purposes. And I like to think in terms of more modern metaphors sometimes, you know. In some ways I can talk to you about why I think a church is somewhat like a restaurant. But I also think a church, if it's a really healthy church, and this is kind of my favorite, is, is a church is a lot like a hospital where people come in kind of spiritually sick and they get well. But it's a hospital that has this one little special thing about it, and that is that the people who come there uh, spiritually ill before they're done, if they grow to maturity and they grow to health, end up as part of the healing team. 
And, and so that you come in as a patient, you end up as a doctor or a nurse or administrator, and you end up serving the Lord and serving other people in the process. And so this church that's a healthy church is one that's well doctored. And we're going back over some verses that we've looked at before. Uh, Carl preached on this uh, uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I preached on it. Last time I preached, Psalm was here last week. And I'm preaching on it again. I told you, I want to keep hammering the nail. I want us to get this. If we don't get this, the whole rest of it doesn't really work in terms of our coming together as, as a family, the family of God. Verse 11, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, he is the one who gave these gifts, and it means these people as gifts to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Apostles are guys who plant churches. Prophets are people who... Often God gives them a hard word to say to somebody and they got to go and ante up and say it. You know, to, it's usually a challenge. Evangelists are people that are especially gifted at bringing people to the Lord, although all of us are called to participate in all these things. All, we all help plant churches by, by giving, by going, by doing the things we do. Uh, from time to time, every one of us is going to be put in a spot where God gives you something to say to somebody and it's a toughie, a prophet. Uh, evangelism, well, that's really the call of all of us. Some of us are super gifted at it, but all of us are called to evangelize our friends and neighbors. Most people come to the Lord because of a friend or a family member that brought them. Pastors, the word pastor simply means shepherd. It's not some guy who went to seminary. It's somebody who's looking after some other people. You know, we got all these, this growing number of what they're calling J groups on the wall back there, Jesus groups. And oftentimes they're groups of two or three people. Well, whoever is looking after somebody else functions as a pastor. Now, they may not want to be called pastor. That may be a scary term to them, whatever. But you're functioning that way if you're just looking after somebody and meeting their needs spiritually. And teachers are people who do, you know, pass on what you know about the Lord. It says here that these people, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Let me read the sentence this way. Their responsibility is to equip God's people and to build up the church, the body of Christ. The responsibility of the leaders is a heavy responsibility. And, and, and oftentimes they're not doing this. Oftentimes the leaders are doing the thing that, that, the, that, the, that the other people are supposed to be doing. We talked about this in terms of a team, that the, the leaders are like coaches and they're out on the field playing, trying to play ball instead of sitting back and being effective coaches. And so a healthy church is going to be a church that's well doctored, that there's, there's, a, there's a staff of people that are, that are equipping and that are training and are giving advice and, and, and helping you with spiritual nutrition and getting you to the place where that you need to be. But this is also a place, a healthy church, or the sick are learning healing skills. It says here, uh, verse 12, reading it again, that the responsibility of the leaders is to equip God's people so that they will do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. If, if we're doing this well, then all of you are involved in the process of doing the Lord's work and building up the body of Christ. What, what does that mean? Well, doing the Lord's work is, what is it that is your assignment? As, as you are a part of this family. You know, as uh, we're, we're getting ready, we, we want to talk about building a youth center. And, 
And uh, we want to show you some ideas that we have of different styles of building. And last week I was standing outside of church, and probably next week we're going to put this little survey up. And and uh, we're, I was just fussing up about, oh, I got to get some, we need some pictures. And there's a lady standing and goes, I'll take the pictures. And she's just always jumping in and doing stuff like this. She has a sense of who she is and where she fits and what she can do to bless other people. I was over in our children's church tonight, and unfortunately, uh, I, I, I walked out of my office, and there was about six or seven little kids, and they were running around being little kids, making noise and, you know, doing whatever. And I heard one of them go, I told you not to make so much noise. I told you the pastor was in there. And um, this little boy comes up to me, and he asked me if I'd come in and tell him some stories. The teacher never showed up. Somebody missed their assignment. Somebody missed their assignment. Somebody made a commitment to be there. I just didn't show. And it happens every so often. And that's tragic. Because those little kids are important. And, and, and they come here full of life, full of joy, hungry to learn. They want a story. Come tell us. And so there's this, there's this business of, of I'm getting my needs met, but I'm also throughputting. I'm taking something in and I'm putting it out on the other end and I'm finding a place where I, I'm learning healing skills. I'm learning to be a part of the team. You know, last week in church, I, I was terribly conflicted at the end of the service. I did not know what to do. I had my friend up here, Salmet, from he came in Salmet Kokar. I'll try to spell that one. From uh, Pakistan preaching. And God has used this man in some really spectacular ways in terms of praying for sick people, and there's been a lot of healings. And in an Islamic country, uh, you're up against spiritism. You don't understand it if you haven't read the history of Islam, but you're up against some pretty heavy spiritual, spiritual things. And, and God's used Solomon in some really powerful and wonderful ways. And it would seem appropriate to ask him to come and pray for everybody who, who would like to be prayed for. On the other hand, both he and I, because we talked about this before, the real goal is not to have somebody that's the super prayer. The real goal is that we all learn that we can all pray and that we can all ask Jesus to do these things and that it's not the person praying who makes the difference, it's the person answering who makes the difference. Does that make sense to you? And so it was, it was, it was like, it was sort of expected of us that we would say, come on up here and Solomon will pray for you. Uh, I think he would expect to, to be invited to do that. Uh, I, on the other hand, it's like, man, this is, this is going uphill against what I'm, what I'm trying, where I'm trying to get us. You know, we've been, we, you remember, it's been about six months now that we've been breaking in little circles and praying together, have ministry time. And, and at first that was freaking some of you out, you know, and I was having to give very careful instructions, bar the doors. Um, but anyway, uh, now it's becoming a pretty easy thing, and, we're, and it's just become pretty easy to pray for people, and, and we're seeing results. There's, there's, how many of you would say that, because, I'm not going to ask you to talk about it, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, that you would say that I came to church sometime in the last six months, I had a need, I had a pressing thing going on in my life, and we got together in little circles, and they prayed for me, and God did something to answer that prayer and change my life. Raise your hand. Hold them up. Keep them up. 
That's powerful stuff. See, that's not come to the front and one guy does all the praying. That's we're all in it. And so a healthy church is going to be a church where we learn at the same time we're getting well spiritually. We're learning healing skills. We're learning to pass on the thing that the Lord's doing in our life. Is that good? Uh, here's a couple of scriptures. I'm going to skip them because I'm trying to go fast. Uh, we use the formulas in the scripture for, for healthy living. Look at... Uh, Verse 13, it talks about us coming to unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's Son so that we can be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Unity in faith, unity in knowledge. We'll no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and make the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. Now, that, that's a mouthful. There's, there, we could, I could talk, I mean, believe me, I could talk for an hour and a half about what we just read. Uh, but, but the first thing is that there's, there's a unity that's important, that we come to a unity in our faith and our knowledge of the Lord. Unity doesn't mean we all believe exactly the same thing together at all the same time. Unity means we choose to love each other because of our faith in Jesus and that we know how to disagree and do it agreeably. Does that make sense? You know, if I, if, if I got any three of you in the room and, and posed some theological question, I'd get three different answers. N nobody's going to give perfect overlay. You're all going to see it just a little bit different. It's just true. And we'll all say, but I have the truth, I have the scripture. Yes, you do, but the problem, the flaw is you. Because it's you and your interpretation of it. You bring all of your history, all of your experience, all of your fears, all of your hopes, all of your dreams, and you, and you, you read that in, and, and yet we're about 98% overlap here. We all basically believe the same things. It's just that we'll see it a little different, a little different, a little different. And so are, are, are we going to uh, agree to fight about it or are we going to agree to agree about it? See, And so you come to this place of, of unity. And, and then it says that, that as, we, as we do this, that we will no longer be like children who are kind of knocked around and, and not really sure of what we believe, forever changing our minds. You know, one of the things that I know about sick churches, sick Christians, is they're into fads. And they're looking down the road always for whatever new thing is coming to town, you know. I, I, I was involved with a group of people a number of years back, and I, I, I got called on to go and teach them about how to do mini church. And and uh, I, I went and I taught and we had a great time. And they told me what a wonderful guy I was and a great speaker I was and how handsome I was. And uh, <laughs> Anyway, they bought in, right? Five weeks later, they call me up and they want to invite me to come to another seminar they're going to have. They're having another guy come and I happen to know him. And they do a similar thing to what we do, but it's entirely different. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. I would never invite somebody to come here and talk to you about something unless I thoroughly believed in and had checked out that person and thought, this is what we need to hear and this is where we're going. I'm not going to invite some parade of people to come through and give you different opinions so we can just get ourselves all confused. 
And, 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 and that's at a fairly sane level. There's an insane level where people are inviting nutcases to come in and speak, and they're getting off into all kind of starry-eyed, woozy-woozy things, you know. And the Apostle Paul talks about people who come in teaching doctrines of angels, and they're seeing this, and they're going on about that. And he actually says it's doctrines of devils. Be careful. Be careful. And so there's this sense of, I'm, 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 I'm understanding the truth I'm, I'm not understanding it as some gimmicky thing that I get into for the sake of arguing about or chasing down gimmicks. I understand it as a formula for living. You know, all of a sudden, what I have in the scripture it isn't some ooh, pie in the sky thing. It's, it gets down to this is how I live my life. God's given me some guidelines here. He's made some promises to me that he promises to answer my prayers about this or that or the other thing. And so I'm going to live my life this way. And so in the healthy church, like the hospital, we're learning this, these, are, these are guidelines for healthy living. This is going to make your life count for something and good things are going to happen as a result. You with me? Let's go a little bit further. There's a couple of scriptures. You can look them up later. Uh, I want one last thing here. It's, it's, it says that, that this church would be healthy, growing, and full of love. Uh, verse 16, it says, Under his direction, Christ's direction, the whole body is fitted perfectly together. That means all the parts work. You know, church like a hospital. I was in the hospital not too long ago. I didn't tell you that, huh? I, I, I had chest pains. And, uh, I mean, it was the real deal. I got up one morning... I'd been on a trip. I come back from the trip. I'm outside. I'm, I found out that you can ride an exercise bike and read at the same time. So I'm really into the exercise bike. And I'm out there doing it. And all of a sudden, there's this big, just like somebody standing on my chest right here. And it starts spreading across here. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's the third time it happened. It happened to me in May. I was in a museum in Washington, D.C. I wasn't going to go. I was going to die before I was going to a hospital in, a, in another town. Uh, <laughs> And, and I and it's I saw it's like it's my day off. I don't have anything scheduled. I can afford to go to the hospital, so I uh, went to the hospital. I mean, literally, those are the screwy thoughts you have. And, and you know what it turned out to be is I, I finally started exercising, and my chest hurts. <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. But I was in the hospital for 24 hours, and I want you to know those people got their act together. Everything fits together perfectly. And it says here that a healthy church is going to be like that, where the whole body is fitted together perfectly. Now, I want you to look at the verb fitted. That's an interesting way of saying it, fitted. And here's the question I have for you is, are you fitted together with the rest of this church? Have you found the place where you fit in? Have you found a place to serve? Really, a healthy church is a church that's got 90 plus percent of the people attending involved serving. You get below 90%, you're starting to get sick. Why do I say 90%? Well, because there's about 5% of people always new and in fluctuation or, or are in their process of moving out and they've abandoned whatever they're doing because they they're going to move to another town or whatever. And there's going to be about 5% that are just going to sit there and be obstinate and do nothing in a healthy church. But you start dropping from that and it, and it starts to be an unhealthy church. It starts to be back to the athletic illustration, a spectator deal. Let the coaches play while the team sits in the bleachers. 
Am I making sense? So there needs to be, I believe, a fitting together that you do, that I can't do for you. And we go to extremes. We have this incredible database, and and we're able to 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 communicate with you by demographic, and we're able to communicate with you by are you involved or are you not involved, or are you baptized or are you not baptized, and and and, and we're we're trying to put tools together so that we can communicate with each other, but ultimately, the fitting together is going to come down to you and the Lord. That as the Lord's trying to fit you together with the rest of the body, you're saying yes. And how does that happen? I, I think it happens that, you know, to me, you know, God puts thoughts in our brain. I could do that. I had to get involved over here. They're going to go out tomorrow and decorate the, the, the community for, for Christmas. And, and, you know, I always wanted to give back something to my community. I'll do that. And it's just, it's these thoughts. He's up there talking about somebody who didn't show up for children's church on a Friday night. I could come. I could tell stories to little kids. I could, I could. See, and, and then you not just could, you do. And so there's this fitting together that goes on. And as we begin to, to see need, you know, my favorite saying is, find a need and fill it. People come to me and say, I want to get involved in what I do. Find a need and fill it. Look around where there's something not going on. Well, then do it. One of, one of the coolest things that ever happens to me is people come to me up all tight and, you know, how come this church isn't doing this? Because the Lord never told you to do it before. But he's telling you now. What do you mean he's telling me? Well, that's why you're so passionate about it. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Now you know what the voice of God feels like. Oh, well, maybe you're right. I know I'm right. <laughs> it says, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. Now watch this. Here's the hospital. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We all come together. We all grow. We all mature. We all begin to carry our freight and do our part in helping others. And the body becomes healthy and mature and, and full of life and growth. A healthy church is a growing church. A healthy church is a growing church. And we need to be thinking about that. Well, I want to uh, do my famous art. Can you turn the thing onto this? Do you know how to do it? It doesn't show the color very well, does it? Drag. Well, it's pretty cool, huh? Told you. Aren't you glad you stayed? <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about this. This is a picture of a church. It's a schematic. Okay. This is God. And uh, this up here is the pastors. And we'll make that guy... The lead pastor. He's the senior pastor. He's the big shot. And um, these people here are the leaders of small groups. And they all relate to somebody like this. And um, you get the picture. You're, so far, so good? Now, what kind of words come to mind when you see a picture like that? Somebody, can you toss me one of those, that mic? 
Give me, give me some words that describe this. A pyramid. What else? Multi-level. Amway. How about this one? Structure. Anyone else? Accountability. Okay, it's connected. Team. Okay, how about hierarchy? Hmm? How about authority? Authority driven. How about rigid? A little bit rigid? Now, watch what happens. See, here's God. Here's a pastor. Here's the team. Everybody's in control. Everybody's neatly put together. If this boundary is relationship, it's a very structured boundary. Everybody kind of soldiers together, does what they're supposed to do. But what if I put this picture over here instead and say that this looks like a healthy church? 